This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 3, Episode 28, World Building Political Correctness. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And we're in trouble. Yes, well, I'm going to start off by saying this was not my title. You guys decided on this, so you can blame Howard for this. Um, what in the heck do you mean by world-building political correctness? Um, you know what? When you write, let, let's say medieval fantasy, when okay. you write women in medieval fantasy, and the women are uh, strong-willed and... Um, and their husbands Okay, you're don't. already in trouble. I know. Fine <laughs> women aren't strong-willed. No, 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 no. When the, when the women are strong-willed yeah. and their husbands don't immediately beat them for it. See, I don't think that. Have, that you, that's like a different thing. But how about this? With women who are, um, who are looking to advance women's mm-hmm. liberation issues in a medieval fantasy. It, it, Let, yeah. let's, let's basically say using 20th, 21st century sociological conventions yeah. in... An anachronistic, you know, yeah. way. Either in fantasy or even in um, far future science fiction. Yes. Um, okay. So how how do you do this? Do you actually do it? I mean, I'm a, I'm a poster child for this, and I've said it from the beginning when people have asked me. I am generally not interested in writing about people who think like someone would during the 11th century. Oh, neither am I. Yeah, I'm not interested in reading about it. Well, I will. I'll say when an author does it really well, like in Doomsday Book, I'm interested in reading about it, but it's hard for me to connect with those characters. Mm-hmm. So I do not write books like that. I always say different worlds, different things advance in different ways. I have never written a book that has been set in a medieval time, but even my books that are set in early modern times, I have people, their sensibilities are more like modern people. And I, I just say, look, they develop differently on this world. Um, some people don't like this. Dan, you're saying your brother. Yeah, yeah. My, my brother. Hi, Rob. Um, he, he has this complaint uh, very frequently about your books and about other fantasies that he read, and it's actually, to some degree, turned him off to a lot of fantasy. Yeah. Because he hates to read something that is not modern, and yet people have very modern, you know, senses of personal freedom mm-hmm. and, you know, women's rights and all of these things that, you know, we have now, so we assume they're, they're, they're natural, um, but they have not existed forever and might right. not exist 5,000 years in the future. All right, so I think that really what we're saying here, um, this might be a short podcast. Well, they're all short. <laughs> what we're saying here is you kind of have to make deci- decide, take well, a, take, well, make a decision on this. L- let me ask the question yeah. to you then. Do you write you know, those kind of civic issues the way you do because that's what you want to read about? Or you know, with Mistborn, did you go back into it and say, this is how they developed? Did you actually do some hardcore oh, yeah. world building I, then? Generally, I do that. Um, but it's usually with me saying, look, I don't want to write someone who thinks that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to write a society where everyone is extremely chauvinistic. Um, it's not interesting to me. I have trouble uh, empathizing with those characters. Some other people have done it very well and done a very good job of it. I don't want to get go there. Well, so, so what did you do then when building this society? Well, did you for, think to yeah. yourself, I need a specific event to have happened 100 years ago that means well, they're one more... one of the things I do um, for Elantris, one of the things I did is I allowed um, instantaneous communication, which I think, personally, communication, the development of communication, had a large change oh, yeah. on the, the world and um, liberating people and allowing people um, it, it, to be informed. So the printing press and, um, and instantaneous communication gives an Elantris and a Renaissance-level technology 
but with early um, 20th century or late 19th century sort of sensibilities in this way is because they have the printing press and they have instantaneous communication. Um, and uh, um, it wasn't as big of an issue in the Mistborn books because I was setting it in my head technologically in the mid-1800s mm -hmm. um, without gunpowder because the Lord Ruler s simply uh, suppressed that technology, took it away, um, and killed anybody who knew about it. So... In that case, we do have a social evolution where people have gone through all of these revolutions and changed, and we've got sort of a, a revolutionary culture. And the concepts of personal freedom are very important to people because you've got so many people who are approaching the sort of concept of American Revolution era or you know French Revolution era. This is what people's mindset are. So it worked very easily in that. Yeah. Um, but in other books, I've simply said, you know what? They just develop differently. Okay. In uh, Schlock Mercenary, I've... I initially imagined a a crew that was uh, almost all male, mm -hmm. um, and I can imagine that two, three hundred years from now we will have militaries that are fully integrated. Yeah, um, power armor really kind of changes things. And, but it's entirely possible yeah. that eight hundred years from now, for whatever reason, we have militaries that are completely non-integrated. Yeah, I see these things as being inherently cyclical, mm -hmm. and. So in Schlock Mercenary, I'm able to address uh, some of those inequities. I can have a captain who is not comfortable being in the chain of command of a woman. Right. Um, and yet we have uh, a, a woman as, uh, you know, the high admiral in the UNS right now. And, uh, and Tagon never questions that she's there. Uh, he just doesn't want to be in her chain of command. Lois Bujold approaches these things very well um, in a lot of her books, particularly science fictions. And what she will do is she'll ram different planets, cultures into each other and say this yep. one is developed this way and this one is developed this way and allows you this sort of friction to deal with these concepts. And um, it builds conflict for her stories, which is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And, and the way I'm doing it, it's building conflict for the characters uh, in such a way that I'm able to tell jokes. Mm -hmm. And because, <laughs> because of the cultural context of the reader of schlock mercenary they're jokes that the reader is going to get and is going to appreciate because some of those issues are issues that we're you know still dealing with um one of the things i will mention here just for aspiring writers is i've read a lot of books where the the female character fighting against the chauvinistic society um and trying you know doing all of that it's been done a lot it's been done well, it's been done poorly, but a lot of new writers seem to fall into this trap that the first thing they latch onto, if I've got a female character in a medieval society, she's going to be the oddball. Everyone else acts like you would expect them, but she's going to be the oddball, and she's going to want to fight for women's lib, um, which you can make a convincing argument for saying one person can think differently than a society. Um, someone else might make the argument that that's not, doesn't really happen that often. But you could make that argument, but it's been done so many times. Um, even in Elantris, where I have, uh, I have Serene doing that a little bit, people come to me and say, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this trope, just so you know. Um, you, you did it just a little too much. Okay. So, I don't know, have you guys seen that? Do you, what, what is your response to that? Um, one, one example I, I think did this pretty well was actually a movie uh, about Marie Antoinette that had, uh, I think, Kirsten Dunst. As okay. Marie Antoinette, and kind of it was a very feminist movie in that it was depicting this woman oppressed by her, you know, status and by her gender and the time and place she lived in, but she herself was not in any way 
a, a feminist. You know, mm -hmm. she was certainly a product and a creature of the period she lived in, but the movie, because of the way it presented her, got all of those points across without having her act anachronistically. Okay. You know, I'm going to rename this podcast uh, World Building Gender Roles, and we're going to talk some more about this when we come back from the advertisement. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Which we're going to do for um, The Gathering Storm by Ooh. Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson. I hear it's pretty good. Yeah, I've heard that. That's pretty good. They have an audio book, you know, and it's read um, by Michael Kramer and Kate Redding. Little fun factoid, the reason there are two readers for the uh, Wheel of Time audiobooks is because Robert Jordan himself asked if we could have a, have a man read the male viewpoints and a woman read the female viewpoints. That I've was listened him. to the first uh, five or six full all the way through the first five, halfway through the, the sixth uh, Wheel of Time audiobook. And I have to confess, listening to the first book, when Kate Redding first starts mm -hmm. reading, it was very jarring because there's a good three or four hours yeah. or more of just male yep. viewpoints. Um, uh, but now it's, yeah, it's very refreshing. Um, some people think that they're some, among the best readers of audiobooks in the business. I think they do a fantastic job. And I hear there's an interview with that Brandon Sanderson guy on the, um, on the audiobook somewhere. So I think at the end or something Ooh, like that. Sign so, me up. Yeah. So, so if you're um, not tired of listening to Brandon <laughs> on writing excuses. <laughs> yeah. Um, number one New York Times bestseller. So there you go. Well, um, is that that self-serving enough yeah. for us? I'm yes. glad we gave up the pimp music thing back yeah. in season one. Yeah, that's probably that would have been, been a lot of time. I know we wouldn't even have been able to hear Brandon. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, gender roles. building gender roles. Gender roles. So um, how do you approach doing gender roles in your fiction? I've already said that the woman fighting against a chauvinistic society is kind of a cliche, but. Um, we'll add the caveat that anything done really well, it doesn't matter if it's a cliche, it can be real, done really well. Um, I actually wanted to promo The Gathering Storm partially because I think Robert Jordan has a very fascinating way of looking at gender roles in his books um, because he actually takes a few steps forward and says, you know, takes a concept and takes a few steps and world builds it the, really the way that you should, meaning in yeah. his world, Women have access to magic, and men, if they use the magic, go insane and kill everyone that they love. Um, that changes the way that the genders interact. Changes mm -hmm. things very significantly. David Brin wrote a book, and I, I'm struggling to find the title of the book, and I can't. We'll get it in the liner notes, um, in which 
uh, men and women have been genetically re-engineered uh, so that the time of year during which they, uh, the, the women become pregnant um, determines what kind of child is born. Oh, wow. And the, uh, what's, what's, what's fascinating is that uh, the gender roles are largely reversed mm. in that book. Women hold most of the places of power. Okay. Men are you know, looked down upon as being you know, weak and very emotional. Um, and the way in which they are looked down upon, we look at it as readers and we think, oh, well, yeah, men kind of do that. How come we don't get accused of being weak and emotional in, you know, in, in 20th century, 21st century, you know, planet mm -hmm. Earth? Um, yeah, one there's, the, there was one yeah. scene where the, there's a man who is from Earth who has none of these biases and uh, he's riding a horse and the women are all shocked. How can men possibly ride horses without crushing their <laughs> equipment? <laughs> um, there was a, uh, an episode of Sliders, which is not known for its brilliant writing in the first place. But they, uh, they had an episode where they went to, you know, the obligatory parallel world where women oh, that was ran the toilet everything. Seat episode. Yeah. And um, it presented it terribly because the way it got its point across was to have, you know, anytime they wanted to raise this issue, they did it with just awful maiden butler dialogue where they're like, well, as you know, our emotions yeah. cycle our hormonally, whatever. And it just really ruined everything. So you have to be careful about the way you get these differences right. across. You can't be too overt about it when I you're shaking it up. I think I saw three minutes of that episode walking into a friend's house and it was the part of the episode where yes we know you're hiding men in this house because somebody left the toilet seat up <laughs> that was um, the only clever part of the episode that was the only clever part arguably of the, episode. Of the series okay. subtle changes i think tend to be getting this back on track tend to be more useful than huge overarching changes um you've got to remember that human beings are generally going to be biologically they're going to act in certain ways mm -hmm. um there are certain things hard-coded into us and what is hard-coded and what is not is an area of discussion that's very interesting in science fiction and fantasy but i would say to readers be very careful of the matriarchal society because again it's very easy to fall into cliches rather than doing very interesting things mm -hmm. um and the really great books i've read that do this take a step and say okay they're different from us but the same concepts are still there, treated in different ways. So subtle changes instead of huge changes. Um, what else, what advice can we give people when they're world building well, gender roles? Let me ask this question because yeah. earlier we talked very briefly about the, uh, you know, the future of an integrated military and you mentioned power armor. Yeah. A complaint that I hear a lot, yeah. often from you know, current military people, is that they just don't believe that future integrated military because of the way women are built biologically and do you have to get into that and explain, well, it works because of power armor, or it works because of this, or do you just ignore that aspect I, of your readership? The way I explained it in, uh, in the, the Schlock book, where I actually focused on those characters, was that uh, um, the, the tanks that the guys were using, the, the mini tanks that were designed for the, uh, the Oben, the, the koala-sized yeah. mm -hmm. guys, well, not sized, but uh, built for soldiers who were... Uh, around five feet tall and there were a couple of women in the company who were just the right size for that and so one way to approach this is to say you know what in space space you know physical space is very very valuable yeah. and in a in, in a spacecraft in a in a robot suit 
um, smaller is better. You don't necessarily want to be a big person. I've seen that done with um, fighter pilots saying making female fighter pilots makes more sense because of the weight. You know, it can, it can yep. have, you can have smaller people, mm -hmm. less weight on your fighter, therefore more maneuverable, these sorts of things. Um, I don't know, I do think you want to be addressing these things, so there's, but there's so much discussion, so there much is. argument, so many different opinions. Like I've heard people say, you know, the reason they don't believe in an integrated military is not because of the way women act, because of the way men act. And if you throw mm -hmm. a woman onto the field, the men will ignore their orders in order to protect the women against what is best for the company or for themselves or for the woman or for yeah, anyone to protect because, or to hit on yeah, or because whatever. of the psychology of the men and so i do think these are things that you need to deal with um okay need to i'm going to say this is one aspect of world building again remember whenever we world build something you can't do everything and yeah. in some cases you have to say this is not important to the plot mm -hmm. um this is not important to any of the major characters therefore this is something that i'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about i think for beginning writers yeah. the best advice is to listen to this podcast and recognize that you probably have a huge blind spot with regard to gender issues yeah. write what you're going to write anyway and listen to your Listen to your readers. Listen to your writing yeah, group. Your alpha readers. Your alpha readers. Listen to them as they talk about this, and and see if there are ways for you to address it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, writing gender issues is hugely hugely challenging. It is, but I find it one of the most fascinating parts of science fiction and fantasy is when things are approached. Um, Left Hand of Darkness, um, The Wheel of Time books, all of these where they where they change things subtly and the gender roles become different. And um, it's something we can approach in our genres that you can't approach in a lot of other genres. David Brin's Uplift series uh, did away with the him and her pronouns. Mm. And it's a fascinating read because halfway through the book you realize, oh, wow, my language really is male-centric. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Brin has gone and fixed it for me. All right. So... Let's go ahead and give a writing prompt. I'll make myself... Oh, you're pointing at, ha at Dan. Okay. Oh. Yep, Howard chose you. <laughs> okay, Dan, then. you have to do it. All right. Dan is scowling at me. Um, you are um, writing a future society, a future military, where the only people allowed in the military are homosexual, and you need a good explanation of why. That's an excellent writing prompt. All right. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 